Hi, and welcome to the ESC Family Connections. I'm your guest host, Tiffany Coleman, the coordinator of ESC. Today, we have Ms. Amanda Failing. She's our program facilitator for specialized curriculum, instruction, and interventions. And she is going to talk to us a little bit about our access programs here in Santa Rosa County Schools. Amanda served um, previously as our program facilitator for access and transition, and she has extensive knowledge of the program. Welcome, Amanda. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about the access classes that we have here in Santa Rosa County? I would love to. Access classrooms span the grade levels of kindergarten through the age of 22, pending the IEP team decides to defer receipt of their diploma. In our access classrooms at the elementary level, we have one teacher and at minimum one paraprofessional per classroom. The classroom should run small group rotations with no more than two to four students per group as there are usually a couple of grade levels in each of these classrooms that teachers and paraprofessionals support and serve. In kindergarten through second grade, typically our students are on general education standards, which is the same as their same age uh, peers, but with heavy accommodations and academic scaffolds or breakdowns of instruction to support their needs. Some of our students, based off of the individual education plan or the IEP and review of the data, are served in inclusion settings for select times of the day or other settings to meet their academic or social needs. In grades three through five, though, typically our students are on access point standards that are in those access classrooms by this point in their educational career. We have very few students that are not on access point standards or part of the state's expectation to be taught in school. It's all individualized and based on the student need and what the IEP team determines is appropriate for the student at the elementary level. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of different ways that students can be served at that elementary level. And I love how you broke all of that information down for our listeners so that they can understand that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the secondary level? So that would be that middle, middle school and high school level, and what does it look like at that level? Absolutely, I'll start with middle school. So at the middle school level, our students in access are supported through rigorous, age-appropriate, typically small group instruction with no more than 11 students with one teacher and at least one paraprofessional um, with opportunities as the IEP team deems appropriate for inclusion. Um, at the middle school level, we begin exploring job-related interests, building skills for independent living, and continuing to embed social skills opportunities for our students. At the high school level, it is no more than 13 students with one teacher and at least one paraprofessional. At the high school level, we continue job exploration opportunities, continue to grow independent living skills related to cooking, money management, even grocery shopping and understanding the difference between purchasing wants and needs while embedding opportunities for growth with social skills. Some of our students at this level also participate in a school-based enterprise or an SBE and will design, create, and build a business which is embedded within their daily instruction and is considered project-based learning. There are so many skills embedded within these opportunities, such as time management, math with money, social skills, ordering opportunities, literacy opportunities, and even technology-related opportunities, such as building a forum survey or building a website for ordering. 
Also, if appropriate and determined by the IEP team, students have opportunities for on-the-job training or OJT, whether that be on campus at the school or off campus within the community with our business partners. Another opportunity for our access students that is growing within our district at the high school and even the middle school level is the PACE Labs. PACE stands for Practical Assessment Exploration System, which is a work development lab where students become employees and the teachers actually become the employers. This lab is used to assess a student's competitive work potential and their interest level while simultaneously exploring various jobs using real tools and developing proper work behaviors in a variety of work areas. These labs are growing district-wide. Uh, they are currently served actually in five locations with plans for three more in the near future. As you can see, our students are very busy in the access world with a lot of various opportunities to explore and grow. Wow, there are some amazing things that are definitely going on at our schools for access. Um, I love that hands-on approach. I love that academic approach and that rigor that's embedded, as well as those opportunities for students to learn and grow those job-embedded skills. Um, I think that parents really have some positive things to say about those, those encounters, and I know our teachers are doing a phenomenal job with embedding that stuff, too. So in looking at that, Amanda, you know, if I was a parent and hearing those things that you're saying, I would want my student to be in those classes. Like, how can I get my child in that class? So can you tell me a little bit, what is that process for looking at the possibility of a child coming into one of those classes? Sure. So if a student may need to be considered for an access classroom, really the first step is typically the teacher or a member of the IEP team reaches out to the program facilitator, um, which is someone like me, uh, to schedule a time for them to come out, meet the student, review their work, and even their academic data. Then an IEP meeting is scheduled by the ESE liaison uh, to discuss the needs of the student, and the IEP team makes a determination for their placement for the student in their least restrictive environment. Uh, we just want to make sure that we ensure we do everything within our ability as a district to serve our students with their same age, non-disabled peers prior to moving them to an access setting, which is considered a more restrictive placement. So the teachers that are in these classrooms, you know, they have to have a lot of, um, it seems like a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience to um, embed some of these things within their daily instruction. So can you talk to me a little bit about what are those qualifications that uh, an access teacher would need to have? So in an access classroom, our teachers are required by the state to be certified in ESE and a content area such as elementary ed or English. Um, in addition, the state also encourages our teachers to be certified in reading uh, or a reading endorsement. Um, this could be provided by the access teacher or another reading endorsed teacher that reading instruction, but we do encourage a reading endorsement teacher to be tied to those access classrooms. So earlier, Amanda, you talked about a PAYS lab, you talked about SBE, and you talked about some of the different components of those access classrooms. How do teachers know what to do and how to implement those things in their classrooms on that day-to-day -day basis? So 
a few ways that we do that is we offer um, our summer institutes, for example, for our teachers. Um, they can come to the summer institute and they get to hear from other teachers within our district that have implemented these things, that have done it with fidelity and who are doing it every day with our students. Um, they talk to them about how to implement it, how they got started with it, um, how they funded it, how they began um, these different opportunities such as SBEs. When it comes to pays, we have job coaches that come in and train our teachers at their school site in the pays labs. Um, when it comes to different curriculum opportunities such as Freetopia, um, we bring in uh, trainers for Retopia to train our teachers. We also record those trainings. So if we have teachers that come in mid-year or teachers that need a little additional support um, throughout the year, then they can revisit those trainings. Um, we have multiple opportunities for teachers to, to grow with ongoing PD um, related to a variety of topics such as quality IEPs, curriculum trainings, even intervention-based trainings. Um, tools such as iReady um, and many, honestly, many, many more. We also have state-provided trainings um, that is provided by a variety of people such as Fiddlers or even the Florida Access Project, um, as well as other state-funded discretionary projects that not only come to us, but at times offer opportunities for our teachers to travel to them, which is funded by that state discretionary project. Wow, that's a lot of exciting information um, regarding those access classrooms. In, in looking at those classrooms, Amanda, what type of curriculum do they use to meet those, those standards and to meet those project requirements that you're talking about? So I'm going to start with the elementary level and then I'll talk about middle and high school. Um, the first is the curriculum utilized in those access classrooms at the elementary level is the same really as their general education peers, um, but it's taught in a small group setting, typically heavily accommodated with picture supports and academic scaffolds or breakdowns, if you will, to help close the gap for the students to be able to access the curriculum. So if a student is being considered for access points, for example, there's a state-based process that the liaison or the program facilitator can support the team with and guide the team through that process because there is very specific state-based criteria for that. Um, and that's typically done at the elementary level. Um, it can be done throughout the years, but it is typically done at the elementary level and revisited every year. Um, I'm going to move on to the middle school level. So at the middle school level, the students are provided exposure to the general education curriculum, but also have the opportunity to utilize Retopia. So Retopia is a special education curriculum that teaches phonics and early reading skills to students in middle and high school with embedded math, science, and social studies opportunities throughout the curriculum uh, to students who have complex learning barriers. So Retopia was actually created in coordination with Dr. Karen Erickson out of the University of North Carolina, who is a really a pioneer um, and advocate for our students that we work with every day in our access classrooms. We also provide attainment for courses such as life science and civics, which are state required courses that have end of course exams uh, for students on access and taking the Florida standards alternate assessment 
which is the end of year exam for our students to show what they know. At the high school level, students are also provided exposure to the general education curriculum, but also have the opportunity to utilize Retopia as the same as their middle school peers. With options for end of course exam curriculum provided through attainment for biology and other high school related courses. Uh, teachers are encouraged to utilize these curriculums, but do utilize project based learning opportunities and hands on opportunities for the various learning styles of their students to meet their needs so that we can hopefully help to close the academic gaps for our students. The big thing really to remember with access is our goal is to provide as much access to the curriculum and more opportunities for our students. Amanda, at the beginning of this segment, you mentioned something about what's called deferment or deferred diploma. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, and I know that the, this will be covered more in depth during our transition segment. Yeah. Um, but just, just kind of briefly to review, um, deferment of your diploma is typically decided during your junior year um, and it's an IEP team decision and what that means is is that our students that have met all of their graduation requirements at the end of their 12th grade year can actually defer receipt of their diploma and stay with us um, within our district in a variety of capacities or programs through the age of 22. Um, so they can stay with us through that age of 22 and continue to receive services and defer receipt of their diploma, which means it just stays at the high school. And when they're ready to pick it up, um, they can go pick it up, but that also means that services then end. That's awesome. I bet you a lot of our parents probably don't know that or they're not aware of that. So thank you so much for that information. Absolutely. And I would just encourage them if they have questions to reach out to their ESC liaison at their school site to get more information. Perfect. Well, Amanda, I want to just thank you for your time today and coming in and talking with us and sharing with us about the Access Program. Um, if y'all have any more questions, um, you can reach out to Amanda and her information will be in the program notes. I'll also include my information, Tiffany Coleman, in the program notes as well, um, as we both help to assist people with gaining additional information about um, Access. Thank you listeners for tuning in today and for listening to this segment of our ESC Family Connections. Um, we greatly appreciate your time and don't hesitate to let us know if there's anything we can do to help you um, with anything going on with your child in Santa Rosa County Schools. Please tune in for additional segments of the um, ESC Special Education Classrooms.